Eufy is sponsoring today's video. They reached out to me. I tested out their video lock. It is a game changer. I'm going to paint a picture for you for why I'm so excited to work with them. So you're getting home. Your arms are loaded with groceries or packages or boxes or everything. And your keys are in your pocket. This drives me nuts. This happens all the time. I upgraded to the Eufy video lock. Fingerprint tap i'm inside and honestly i also feel way safer it's got this awesome built-in camera so whether it's a package delivery or late night uber order i see exactly who's there right from my phone there are no more mystery knocks and the best part this thing was such a breeze to set up there's no wires there's no drilling uh, there's also no monthly subscription fees so if you are done fumbling with your keys because i definitely am search for eufy video lock or head over to eufyofficial.com slash video lock your front door, your sanity. I just want to take a second and thank Policy Genius. They're supporting today's episode of Success Story. I know we all have kids. We all have families we want to take care of. And I personally check something off major on my to-do list, life insurance. It's a tough topic. It's really hard to think about, but it's so important. And the hard part was sorting through all the options. Luckily, I found Policy Genius. Policy Genius is an online insurance marketplace that makes getting life insurance surprisingly easy. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Now, knowing my family's protected brings me incredible peace of mind. Don't put off this important decision. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Welcome to Success Story. I'm your host, Scott Clary. The Success Story podcast is part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Now, if you enjoy Success Story, you're going to love some of the other podcasts in the podcast network. One of them, or one of my favorite, is the Hustle Daily Show. It's hosted by four dynamic hosts, Zachary Crockett, Jacob Cohen, Rob Litterst, and Julia Bennett-Ryla. Now, they speak about a ton of different engaging, offbeat business topics, tech topics. Uh, one of the most recent ones I tuned into was their episode about Amazon pausing HQ2. And I can assure you it's all informative, but it's a blast to listen to. They cover a ton of different topics. They covered the rising cost of dating, AI news, America's obsession with air fryers. Trust me, you do not want to miss it on this show. It's a perfect way to keep up on the latest news while enjoying lighthearted comedic takes, entertaining spins on things. So please subscribe to The Hustle Daily wherever you get your podcasts. Today, my guest is Ilya Fedorovich. He has over 750,000 followers on Instagram, tens of millions of views on his YouTube channel, and he's a regular on David Dobrik's vlogs with 18 million subscribers and over 7 billion views. Ilya is one of the most well-known individuals on social media today. When he's not posting on Instagram, he also runs a plumbing company, Fly Plumbing Incorporated, which he grew from zero to seven figures in revenue in two years. He also owns Zila Fitness, a startup that provides its customers with the cleanest and best tasting pre-workout plant protein and apple cider vinegar supplements. He is a serial entrepreneur. We spoke about his upbringing, we spoke about how he was motivated just to put food on the table when he had to rebuild a plumbing business from the ground up after his family lost everything in the recession. We spoke about some of the tough entrepreneurial lessons that he learned there, the importance of sales, the importance of customer service, and how he grinded it out making 100 calls a day to make that business successful. Uh, we spoke about uh, how he decided to go into a variety of different products 
after getting uh, some success in plumbing, growing that to over $3 million in revenue per year, where he launched uh, Zila Fitness. He launched a podcast that's monetized. Uh, he's dabbled in a couple other things that have just given him some really great life lessons, as well as his latest venture, which is Dobrik's Pizza. And he speaks with some of the nuances of launching a brick and mortar restaurant and how difficult and chaotic it could be. So let's jump right into it. This is Ilya Fedorovich. He is a social media influencer and serial entrepreneur. Yeah, so um, originally I'm from Chicago and out of high school, my plan was to be some sort of entrepreneur, some sort of business owner, because my entire childhood, I, I tried starting businesses, uh, like snowplowing businesses and selling headphones or whatever side hustle I can think of. And again, out of high school, I was like, okay, I want to do something with business. I want to become successful in the business world, whatever it may be. So I went to, uh, I went to community college for one semester. And then my best friend and I, David, both dropped out um, second semester. He moved out to California and I stayed in Chicago. And at the time, my dad, and also at this time, at this moment, uh, has a plumbing company. So early on, uh, unfortunately, it was, it was a failing business. And I think we were, I think we were like fifty-four, fifty-five thousand $55,000 in debt. And I remember there being a portrait of our negative balance uh, behind my desk to kind of like motivate us to fucking push and move forward. Um, <laughs> That's very fucking small. motivating and yeah. also fucking demotivating. <laughs> totally. <laughs> uh, I mean, at the time, we really didn't have any money. And the reason for all that was because uh, in the 2008 recession, my dad had had a very big company, very successful. And... Uh, when all that happened, he was in new construction plumbing, right? So after 2008, no one was building anything and everything kind of went to shit. And from that moment on, um, he had a lot of trouble rebuilding uh, what he's what he's already attained, right? Because he lost everything. And it's very difficult to do because it's lack of morale, you know? It's, um, it's, it's a lot of things combined. It's a lot of emotion. And so when you get hit that, that hard and almost killed, you know, borderline. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like we lost everything. We lost our house. We couldn't pay for our utilities. I remember this as a little kid. I had to move around a ton. I'm taking the story. Like, 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 <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm no. I was gonna say like, like you're not like talking about like, okay, so you went from like, you know, fifty million in revenue down to ten million in revenue, and you had to like furlough a few people. Like you, you, your family got hit hard. Yeah, no, we went from, I don't know what the revenue at the time was because I was just a kid, but we went from, you know, being pretty well off to zero. I mean, absolute yeah. zero. And I know I'm taking the story far, like really far back, but this kind of ties into into everything that I'm doing now and where I'm at now. Um, so, you know, fast forward to, again, when I graduate um, high school and I, I drop out of college, my dad and I have a conversation. We say, okay, you know, I'm, we're not doing so well. Obviously, we have no money. <laughs> um, come help me, you know, come help me start uh, a service plumbing business. And, you know, in my mind, I was like, okay, if this is my opportunity to to attempt to grow something, then I should take it. 
because my other choice was to just stick through school and kind of see what happens. But I took the opportunity and I joined my dad at the time. It was just me, my dad, and one employee. And we started to, we started acquiring customers very, very little by little. Um, and I think the first year of me just cold calling for like eight months, I mean, not, I'm not joking every day, just cold calls. Cause that's all I could do. Right. I didn't have any money for marketing. I didn't have any connections. Yeah. My dad didn't have any connections. Um, so we were, we were in a pretty shitty situation, but anyways, after, after cold calling for about eight months, uh, I managed to acquire a few customers. And I think our first year's revenue was uh, six or seven hundred thousand dollars, roughly, which is pretty impressive. That's not bad, though. Yeah, being that yeah. like, you know, I mean, it's literally like zero zero experience from me, right? I'm on the phone, not knowing what the fuck I'm talking about, and my only option is <laughs> to do it because it's either that or I, we won't have any food. And bear in mind, my dad has a um, has a language barrier because. We were all born, my dad and I were both born in Belarus. We're all first generation immigrants, but luckily um, I, I learned to speak English in, in school, but my dad and my mom still have that language barrier. So it was a lot of me, it was a lot of me trying to understand how to sell something, learning from my dad, translating it to English, fucking it up, and then, you know, learning more and more as the days went on. So how much, how much, how many people were you calling? How many people were you calling a day? Like, like, I want to like, I want to highlight like the amount of hustle required to take this shit off the ground and to hit 600 K in one year in a service business. Like what were you doing like day in, day out? Oh man, I just, I'm not joking. I just got the, um, I just got the shivers from thinking about how many fucking people I called. Holy shit. Probably a hundred, a <laughs> hundred a day at, at least. And when I say a hundred, it doesn't seem like that much, but if you take into consideration that a hundred doesn't mean just pick up, ring, hang up. It's pick up, fucking get to the person you need to get to, speak with them and or leave a voicemail. Then you follow up. Like it's not just a call, right? It's a call and then there's a procedure after that. After every single call, there's a procedure. So it's not only about calling, it's about following through. And so with every call, I made sure to follow through. And you know, of those, maybe 2%, maybe 1% called me back and of those, maybe 10% went with us and or tried us. So it's a hustle. Like you gotta understand that most of the time you're gonna be told no, and you're gonna be told to fuck off and it's not gonna be pleasant. And um, yeah, I mean, that, that's just part of the game. When you don't have money and you, you're trying to hustle, whether it be cold calling, fucking knocking on people's doors, meeting people, you're gonna be told no a lot, a lot, but you know, when you don't have an option and uh, you got to make money, you got to get down to the grittiness of it. But, but dude, like you like, okay, so you, you put in the work. I think that something that's interesting is like you knew that you had to call people, just reach out to people, just hustle like crazy. And I feel like when people start a business, they don't get how much work is involved. So do you think like sales just like is one of the most important things that you could learn as an entrepreneur and where did you get that mentality from like where did you understand that if this is a, it's just at a necessity i think but if you could like give advice to young entrepreneurs that are starting out would sales be like the number one thing that you think people should figure out yeah i think uh i think when you're trying to launch a business it's sales and it's customer service so it's it's how it's not only being able to 
get to the person you need to get to, but it's also being being personable and knowing your product. And at the end of the day, not taking no for an answer, you know? Um, but yeah, I definitely think that, that sa- sa- the thing about sales is it's interesting. Uh, I was never taught sales, right? It's not like it's not a it's not a YouTube video that I looked up. It's not a, something that I read in a book. It's just you gotta want it, and I wanted it. And to be honest, I really didn't have a choice. I was hungry both uh, physically um, and mentally. So, yeah, you know what I mean. So it, for me, it was it was a little bit different. I was put in a situation where I didn't have an option. But if you you know are in okay spot, again, I would say that being hungry, not taking no for an answer and just being personable with the customer and really understanding what their needs are is super important. And also keep in mind in the plumbing business, I was very lucky because plumbing is not a want, right? Plumbing is a need. So if I'm talking to somebody on the other line, I'm offering them a service that they'll at one point, 110% need. And going into that, it's much easier to sell than a product like a supplement, a protein, right? Where they don't necessarily need it because they have 15,000 different options they can get at any point. But when your water heater is out or there's shit coming out of your toilet, you have to have a reliable person to call. So that's the difference, you know? Do you think, do you think, um, I, I was, I, I, when I hear like how much you hustled, it sort of just, it sticks out for me because I feel like a lot of people that are young in their career in sales, in entrepreneurship, they end up getting lazy and they don't put the work in that is actually required. And I think that one thing that you can learn from your story is how do you, if even if you are in a better spot and you aren't looking for like the next meal, how do you architect that mindset, that hunger so that you can succeed? Because I feel like when you're starting out in your career, you don't want to put in the work. Like, there's not many people that would jump into a job, in a sales job even, or starting their own thing and do 100 calls a day. They would try it out. It wouldn't work. And they'd give up. So I think that that's something that you should sort of take away from this is the amount of energy and effort that it takes to succeed is absolutely insane when you're trying to start your own thing. And I think that people sort of gloss over that and maybe entrepreneurship is a little bit... Um, it's like sexy and it's fun and the actual energy and hours and time required to succeed at it is not spoken about enough. Like you just said, you got shivers when you thought about how much fucking work you had to do to get this company off the ground. Like question, would you ever do this again? If you know, if you didn't have to do it? Um, fuck no, (laughs) no, 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 never. Um, Yeah, th- those uh, those days are are thank God uh, past me, and there's luckily many different routes that I can take to acquire business now, and instead of cold calling, yeah. do I still you know hustle and grind my way to a new customer? Yes, but it's it's a very very different form and it's much less stressful. So no, I would never do it, but sometimes it's necessary, you know, um, and. It's you got to go into it with the mindset of all or nothing, because if you're not if you're an entrepreneur and you want to start your business, if you know in your head that you will succeed, you're not going to take no for an answer. You're going to keep calling until you 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 get what you need and or you get what you want, then you won't fail. But if you go into it with like, I'll try it if it doesn't work, you know, whatever, then you're going to fail, you know, unless you get very, very lucky and. People that get lucky usually put in the hard work at the same time. So, 
Okay, so you're so you made six hundred in the first year plus minus. How do you scale this out? And as you grew it out, uh, what lessons did you learn about building out a services based business? Why did you not grow this out to a fifty million dollar, a hundred million dollar organization? What was the life cycle of the plumbing business? Yeah, so I stayed. Uh, my dad and I partnered, and we stayed together for I think it was six years. Uh, five or six years and from the first year to the second year I think we made like 1.8 or 2 and then the third year is like 3 million um, and we never really we never really went past that and the reason is it's very very difficult to scale a trades business and the reason is you rely on tradesmen. Unfortunately, as of right now, there's a huge, huge, huge lack of tradesmen. So the number one thing to scalability in the trades business, again, is tradesmen. When you don't have tradesmen, you can't scale because you don't have enough people to provide the service. So that, that was the reason that, um, that we weren't able to scale further. Now, if I, if I stayed, obviously I would have figured out a way to do so. I would have raised money and I would have said, okay, we're going to post on every single ad or every single job pl platform. Yeah. We're going to go to career fairs. We're going to, you know, put fucking hiring now, $10,000 bonus. on. Like, well, we would have figured it out. That's not the problem. The problem is I was given the opportunity to uh, be able to scale my other businesses that I'm currently in much quicker. So I, I saw that and I said, okay, this business is scale to where it could be as of right now it's making good money you know i can keep doing that um but the opportunity that i have at hand is is going to be able to get a return on my time uh money return on my time much quicker so when your motive when you when you started this plumbing business your motivations were literally eat and survive and pay rent but a couple of years later, motivations changed. So when you started to scale these other businesses, what were those businesses? What were your motivations? And maybe maybe those motivations have carried through to date. But what motivated you when you started to go into other avenues? So, well, my two other avenues right now are Zila, which is my fitness brand, and Dover's Pizza, which we haven't launched yet, but we're launching hopefully this fall. Um, the scalability on those two are different with the product a because a product you don't require tradesmen right skilled tradesmen like i said yeah. tradesmen is like uh it's far and few between so all you have to have here is money product and marketing and people in the warehouse which are much easier to hire than tradesmen um with with the pizza business uh it's a very scalable concept for many reasons number one we don't have many things on our item number two uh my my friend who's backing it is very well known and has a lot of influence so i'm able to use that to my benefit right yeah. um but i'm sorry I, I don't know if i answered your question or if um no it's just like no 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 you're you're cool like i get so so you have okay so you have you have the pizza business that you're going to launch you have zila um i know you have a like a podcast as well but i meant like what motivates you like what what gets you excited so yeah scalability for sure but there's like a million and one products that you probably could have taken to market so 
when you when you launch Zila or when you launch the when you launch the pizza business, like what's the conversation about like why are we taking this particular product to market? So when you're sitting down like with for the pizza in particular, you're talking to David, like why pizza? Like why is that something that you actually want to get behind? Because again, you already have the influence, you can have the money, but there's a reason why you choose those products, you choose those services you take to market. Like what what is the thing that sort of drives you? Because you know this better than anyone. If you don't have that motivation that's going to carry you through year one, year two, year five, year 10, it's going to be very difficult. Like you have to maintain that. So there's something that you had in your head or you were talking about at that table when you first started that sort of pointed you in one direction or the other. And I guess that's what I'm trying to sort of pull out from you. Yeah, I think this is a two part answer. And the first part to the answer with Zila and Dobrix. With Dobrix, uh, we chose pizza specifically. And it motivated us because pizza is a very friendly and overall known as being a product that makes people happy, right? And I connect yeah. that to to David, right? So his yeah. videos and his vlogs and whatever he does in his life make people happy. So I think I connect that with him. And then I also connect the fact that we both love pizza. And it's just a very... Um, it's it's so it's such a um, generic thing to do that it's like almost perfect, you know what I mean? Like it's not it's not too specific. It's like okay, pizza anybody can fucking do pizza, uh, but we're gonna do it the best, you know? We're gonna do it the best, and we're also gonna connect again a, a person that has a huge following so people know about this pizza and this pizza can make them happy. Yeah. And I know it sounds cheesy, but that's really what it is. Like whenever someone steps into our restaurant into our pizzeria, I want people to walk out happier than they walked in. And I know that we'll achieve that by the product that we've made and by the experience that we'll provide. That's a dope ass motivation, man. That's that, that's good. That, that's very good. There's not like it doesn't have to be like complex and confusing. It's just like what gets people excited. Like that's that's perfect. So I'm oh, assuming yeah. like on the on the Z. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. I was gonna say on the fitness side. Yes. Yes. So on the fitness side, um, as weird as it sounds, I love pizza and I love fitness, right? So um, I was like, fuck it. I'm going to do both. You know, I, I don't see why not. I, I love I love taking good supplements. I love taking things that I know are don't contain lead, for example, don't have toxins in them, don't yeah. have shit that, you know, most products do have. And so uh, I decided to do that because I am the – number one sing the, the number one uh passionate fitness person out there like 100 percent. and so yeah I, I was like i'm gonna make my own product uh again i'm gonna make it the best i possibly can and i'm also gonna challenge myself because my product is plant-based my protein is plant-based yeah most plant-based proteins are not that good i'm sure you know and they're not that good because of the greediness or the texture, the flavor, or combination of all of them. And so I found, uh, luckily, a, a very, very good manufacturer that can provide me a very good product. And I went with it. I was like, this is this is the best protein I've tasted on the market, including plant and whey. And I, I, I truly, firmly do believe that. And my motivator for that was getting clean, healthy, and tasty protein out to the public, which in turn makes people healthy. When you when you launch these products, um, we can we can pick Zila for to start. Um, 
you already have an audience and I actually think it's interesting. You probably have a lot of, because you've lived it and you've seen the power of personal brand and social and using that as this huge kickoff point for a product. But we can go into that in a second. I just want to understand like the entrepreneurial, taking a product off the ground from scratch, that's an, it's a true product. So, and not just like a service or a, a trade. So when you launch Zila, what are the different things that you have to think about? Are you going like e-commerce? Are you going direct to consumer? Are you going on Amazon? How do you uh, source out the actual manufacturer to make sure that they're actually delivering a quality product? Like walk somebody through the process of what you did when you started off Zila. Like you can go into like the, the really the nitty gritty, like the granular, because there's a lot of people that are trying to launch different things as side hustles. Like now it's not so difficult to find a manufacturer or to drop ship a product, but I mean, to do it successfully is not easy. And I mean, you already have to find the quality product. You have to find some sort of marketing engine, which you have, but then you have to build the website. You have to uh, maybe figure out distribution into retail. So all these different things are all hurdles, but I mean, you're figuring it out. And where is Zila at right now? And how did you figure it out like from the ground up? Yeah, so originally I had requested samples from about 10 different plants, 10 different manufacturing plants. I tasted all of them, and to be honest, I didn't like any of them. So then I got connected with uh, a gentleman named Sean. Sean's my partner currently, and he is a protein specialist. Let's just call him that. I was very lucky to, to be connected with him. Um, he is the one that handles the recipe for formulation, the manufacturing, the packaging, everything. He has connections for all of that. And he was, again, introduced to me by, by another friend of mine. Uh, and so after, after I decided that I didn't like any of these other proteins, um, I went with him and he, he currently does his own protein supplement line but it's it's a very very different uh market that he has you know versus what i have so there's no conflict of interest and for people that are wondering again like why, why would he do that the people that he serves are very different from the people that i serve so i went with him um we figured okay we probably shouldn't be focusing on spending marketing dollars at first being that i do have a following my friends have a following and we can utilize that so that's what we decided to do off the bat and um i think in the next two to three months we'll be utilizing paid media and moving into amazon and the only reason we're doing that is because now we understand what power we have and how much power we have uh what the ratio ver what the ratio of the power versus uh, power and influence versus uh, how much money we can make. So, yeah. Okay. So, okay. So when you, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and you went direct to consumer first, you're going to go into Amazon. Are you going to try and do retail distribution as well? Or are you just basically focusing on like all direct to consumer right now? I would love to do retail. The problem with retail is that you obviously sell wholesale to retail. And, yeah. you know, I'm selling a product that, uh, 30%, 40% less. So it doesn't really make sense right now. Um, if I had the opportunity at hand for a big box retailer to come in and give me a really good offer on my terms, 
I would do so. But I just don't have that leverage right now um, to make a good deal. So when I do have the leverage, definitely. Uh, I, I think if I were to how do you do not have the... I was going to say, how do you not have the leverage yet? Because like, I feel like if you shop and I'm just, I'm just spitballing now, like take to market business ideas. But like, if you had like, if you shop this around to retailers and you said, Hey, listen, I'm going to put this product in your store and then look at, we're going to do this huge marketing push and you're going to be seen by like 3 million, 4 million, 5 million people because you have that immediate exposure. Do you think that would like put negotiating terms in your favor? It would. The problem is I don't have three to four or five million people seeing this. True. Um, you know, David, uh, again, my partner in, in Dobrik's Pizza, he helps me, you know, push Zila. I push it myself. Yeah. Um, I have friends push it. But at the end of the day, the influence is solely based on me and my my audience is not three four five million people could it could it True. get there at one yeah. point you know based on our um our socials our tiktok and our instagram yeah but we just don't have we're, we're really new we don't have that power quite yet a person that was able to do that very successfully was logan paul and prime um now obviously saw that, yeah you know he's much bigger than i am so he can pull that off and I, and I can't, I just, I, I don't feel confident in doing it. Now it's not to say that I can't get in retailers. I just don't think that they would take me as seriously uh, right now as they would in a year or two where I come in and I really show some big numbers and I say, look, we're fucking big. You know what I mean? Like yeah. put us in your store. These are yeah. our terms. Yeah. And if I were to do something right now, it would really just be a flex because it's cool to be, yeah you know, in a Walmart or fucking 7-Eleven or whatever the case is. I think it's cool to be, to do that, but on the, it doesn't help your bottom line, you know, on the money side, it doesn't really help. Um, no. Okay. So as you, as you go direct to consumer, obviously you leverage like paid, you have your own, you have your own audience you go into. Um, when you were, when you think about like the, the way that you've built your own brand, because that's something that I think you can also teach people. I think it's very useful, right? Uh, the ability to create a following, the ability to create content that resonates. Like you've worked with, with, with David, who has an enormous brand. I mean, you have a big ass brand yourself. It's not like you have nobody following you. So, if you had an entrepreneur that's looking to take a product to market, um, what advice or how how would you suggest they start to build a personal brand? Because we're already going to be on the same page about you have to have a personal brand to some extent. I think it's very I think it's very important um, as opposed to just building a company brand. You have a product and you have a CEO or a founder that puts themselves out there, and they they're not just an invisible founder CEO. I think that it makes a huge difference in a company. So when you look at how David built his channel, when you look at how you built your channel, your content, your Instagram following your TikTok, what are the things that hit home? Because you've obviously you have like some sort of formula that works. I mean, you see it, you see it with your friends. So somebody's trying to figure this out for the first time, how, where do they start? I think the number one thing, the number one thing is authenticity. I think being authentic, being yourself, and truly like truly taking a step back and asking yourself did did i love that do i love what i'm doing in this post video story whatever the fuck it is um i think that's yeah. number one that's key and whether you're goofy 
or whether you're super intelligent and, and upright, whatever your brand is, is what your brand is. And not everyone's going to like it. And that's just what it is. So I think that if you're authentic, authentic to yourself, people will, will see that. And if you're bullshitting, people will see you right through that. And that's when it doesn't work. When people are like, okay, I don't know how I feel about this. Like even, even through a screen, it's really weird. People tell, people can tell, you know what I mean? When you're not being authentic, people can tell. I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, HubSpot. Now, I have a question for you. Are you sick and tired of wasting your precious time on tedious tasks in your business, like pulling reports, rewriting blog posts, trying to personalize countless... I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show, and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money, and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins, and I've been there, juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it, each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone, and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeletemecom slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. 
That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay. And what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch US-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text SUCCESS, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. Thank you so much indeed for sponsoring Success Story. For all business leaders out there, Indeed is a lifesaver. See, we're always driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You're going to ditch the busy work and you're going to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Emails that are going out to your prospects. Well, say no more because I've got some new AI tools that are going to blow your mind. HubSpot's newest AI tools, Content Assistant and ChatSpot. So Content Assistant uses the power of OpenAI's GPT-3 model to help you create content outlines, outreach emails, and even web page copy in just seconds. And in case that wasn't enough, they created ChatSpot. It is a conversational growth assistant that connects your HubSpot CRM for unbeatable support. With chat-based commands, you can manage contacts, run reports, even ask for status updates. The easy-to-use CRM just got easier. 
head to HubSpot.com slash artificial dash intelligence to get early access today. Yeah, I feel, I mean, like, even with, like, like, when we do interviews and shit like that, like, I, I think that as I've progressed, like, my show, I've, like, toned down the formality of the shows just because when I first started, dude, I was, like, three-piece suit fucking doing this, like, <laughs> like I felt like that's what you had to do, like, <laughs> you yeah, go back to yeah. the original ones, it was, like, it was, like, dressed up, and now I'm just wearing, like, a, well, it is because it's hot outside, but still, it's, it's, like, it just feels more fun. And I think when things are more fun, they come easier. And then you don't stress as much about the content you make. People resonate with you more. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when you're, when you're not authentic, people don't see you for what you are. So they can't really connect with you. Right. It's hard to connect with somebody that has a fucking wall in front of them. Did you like when, when you first started creating content, I mean, like, I feel like people put up a wall because they're stressed because they're stressed and they're nervous and yeah you have this you have this like thing you know this voice in your head telling you people are going to perceive me a certain way and you know i don't want them to think that i'm full of shit i don't want them to think i'm stupid or i don't want you know my boss to think that i'm acting like a clown on on social so you you put up this like facade but when you first started um, how did you get over that? Because obviously everybody has that stress when they first record their first video or they first put out their first post seriously yeah, so I, I, I'm in a I'm in a very interesting situation because my followers, my following, uh, mostly was given to me, and by given I mean like literally handed over to me. How it was handed over was I was in David's videos, uh, I was in David's posts, and obviously he's one of the biggest influencers in the world. So when they see him and they see me with him, they go follow me. So again, I was I'm in a very very rare situation where I've I've attained these followers through a handout essentially. I didn't necessarily earn these followers. Now, it's it's interesting because with Zila, right, and my Instagram page on Zila, like those followers I consider earned. And the reason is because there's work behind that brand. My personal brand, my personal Instagram for example, I don't I didn't give a fuck about and I was just kind of like, I'm going to post shit that I think is funny, you know, as <laughs> simple as that. Uh, and and I hopefully people like it. And if they don't, whatever. But I, I thought what I posted was cool. People thought it was cool. And that was kind of that. There was never there was never a moment where I had a wall in front of me. I was always open. I was always like, ah, fuck it. You know, these, these followers are following me. Then I might as well have fun. Do you get like at the level like that David's at, obviously he gets some of it, but I'm sure you get some of it too. Like you get like a ton of hate with the shit that you post or like at that level where you see like, like millions of people see you, like, what does that come with? Uh, I mean, it depends. I, I try to keep things pretty neutral because I, I just don't think that, um, going on the offensive and, or, Making a statement that allows someone to necessarily argue. Like polarizing is, statements and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Because the thing is about social media, it's like, it's like, it's so, it's so, it, fake isn't the word. I mean, it is fake, but fake isn't the word. It's very toxic. It's very, very toxic. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, it's even hard to talk about because. There's so much nuance. There's so much bullshit that goes on. 
um, that like, you know, yeah, sometimes people get hate. Um, and if, you know, someone's listening and they're, but, the, but, you, but basically you don't, you don't let that affect you. Basically like you, you have this, you have no. some sort of thick skin or no, I don't let it affect me because I don't, I really, anything like that, I don't let it affect me. Like if there's, if there's a comment that is uh, constructive criticism, totally, totally. I'll take that any day. I'll take that uh, fucking seven out of, I'd rather know what I'm doing bad than what I'm doing good. But when it, when it's like hate, like petty hate, fuck that. I, I don't pay attention to that. It's just like, it, it takes up way too much of your, of your, of your headspace, way too much mind share. Yeah. So you definitely have to let those people go. And, you know, it is what it is. People, again, not everyone's going to like you, you know? Uh, and that just is what it is. And the people that fuck with you, fuck with you. And if, if the people don't fuck with you, then, you know, whatever. Go find, go look at somebody else. No one's forcing you to fucking look at my, my story or my video or my advice. There's tons of other people out there. Go ahead. 100%. Um, no, I think, I think it's a healthy way to look at it. I just sort of... I want to bring this. I want to bring this out because when people do put themselves out there, like we're, I'm trying to like eliminate all the fears they could have about putting themselves on social. And and when again, you know, yeah, you don't have five million people or ten million people that follow your every move, but you have like millions, and you've been exposed to that. So you just have to be in the right headspace going into it and build your tribe. Because again, if people if everybody likes you, you're probably not doing something right anyways. I mean, right. <laughs> you, you, whatever you build, somebody will hate it no matter what. Um, okay. Yeah. So you're building Zila. Uh, you also have a podcast. What is your, like, and you also trade and then you're doing the pizza thing. So you have like, you, <laughs> you like do a lot of shit. So you have uh so what, why, why podcast? What was that for you? Why did you, for example, not go and try and build something like a massive YouTube channel based on just pure vlogs? Like what was the podcast play? So I just like podcasting. I, I like talking to my friends. I like sharing information. I like sharing stories. And that's pretty much it. Um, there was no specific intent behind it. I just, I, I like telling stories. I like making people laugh, you know? Um, so that's kind of the, the, the story behind why I even do the podcast. And as a, as an entrepreneur, like how you've built your your life and your business now you have several streams of income right so you have your i'm assuming uh zila is revenue generating you still have plumbing to an extent um podcast do you make money off that as well yes we do yeah okay okay um okay so then and also i i was listening to some other shows you're on and you also trade so you do a ton of shit. uh when you when you learned how to trade uh, what was your mindset, process, strategy for that? Why would you not just dump money in some index funds and and stop stressing yourself out? Well, I I do now. I don't, I don't trade. Uh, I don't day, I don't actively trade anymore. I don't I don't day trade. I used to, um, maybe three years ago, Why not? four years ago. Yeah, I I just wanted to try it. Uh, I think it was just one of those moments where I don't know. Maybe I saw a movie or I read a book, and I was like, "Fuck, man, this seems like." A rush. This seems, this seems like fun, and I tried it, and it was uh, it was definitely a roller coaster of emotion. <laughs> but Did I you don't make think money. Ah, uh, no, no, I didn't make really any money on trading. Um, it was uh, it was just more of a of a learning. But but the thing is, like with that, I I learned about the stock market through trading. I learned about the stock. I learned 
a lot of terminology. I learned about a lot, about a lot of people. Um, and so it was definitely worth it, but I would never, I, would, I don't think I would do it again. It's, it's very, it's just not for me. It's for some people, but it's not for me. I think like it seems like your personality is just like throw yourself into something and then figure it out and learn from that. Then you leverage that for like future life experiences, which is like the ultimate entrepreneurship mindset. But it's also it's like it's very useful because now you, you go into something, you try, maybe succeed, maybe fail, whatever. But I mean, like you have that shit forever. Like I wish more people would just throw themselves into shit and start shit so that that experience is like a, it's a learning experience at the end of the day. Right. Like that's all that is. Yeah, it's interesting because people give me shit actually for like trying so many new things. Like, oh, Ilya's doing this today. He's doing this today. But it's like, I'm just I'm just trying to continuously learn and evolve as a human. So I just have these tools in my toolbox, you know, and I may not be the best at these new things that I'm taking on, but I think I can learn a thing or two. And once you put all that together, then you have, like I said, a, a pretty good, uh, a pretty good toolbox that you can pull certain things out of. I think that's a, an incredible way to like approach life. It's very smart. Um, and then the last thing I didn't go into yet, which I actually think is, is very interesting because I know a lot of people and I've spoken to a lot of entrepreneurs that have launched like CPG, e-commerce, direct to consumer brands. Obviously, I know people that have launched a lot of podcasts. I know people in finance and trade. I don't know anybody that's ever started a pizza company from scratch. That's like net new to me, completely new. So. When you start a pizza company, yeah, I mean, I don't know anybody who's like done like brick and mortar anything. Actually, funny enough, it's I'm like not right not now, common. It's, it's fucking crazy. It's fucking. I have crazy. no doubt. The amount of of oh my god, the amount of stuff that goes into starting a restaurant is phenomenal. It's it's phenomenal, man, and. I'm gonna tell you right now, if you're gonna start a restaurant business, that should be your only focus, unless you have someone that has done it before, that has opened a restaurant and that can do it for you. Because it's a lot of time. It's a lot of time. It's a lot, a lot, a lot of time. Why did you why did you want to open a restaurant as opposed to uh like the Mr. Beast model where he just did Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, ghost kitchens work. Um, I don't know how, how well they work over time though. Cause I'm, tr I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, uh, have a cash grab business, right? It's not an overnight success story. Yeah. I'm trying to build a brand. How you build a brand is through customer service and experience, right? You're not going to get much experience when you order through a ghost kitchen. You're just not, it's, it's coming from a fucking Arby's. You know what I mean? You go pick yeah. up your food and it's like, it's not even the restaurant that it says on, on the like, so that being said, I want people to really uh, understand that Dobrik's pizza is not just this fluke that is here one day, gone another. This is a, this is a business and a brand that I'm trying to spread nationwide. I'm trying to build as big as possible. And again, the way to do that is by having physical locations where you can step into the store and physically feel what the brand is about. Not just ordering it on an app, getting it, and then forgetting about it. So when you do this, you got to figure out, like, you got to figure out, first of all, your recipe, but then you have to figure out leases. You have to, like, you have to figure out cooks. Like, I'm sure there's, like, health and safety. Like, I'm, dude, that's a, that's a lot of work. 
that's a lot. a lot of work. So when, so what did yeah. you, okay. So how many locations are you, is, I don't know what's public or not. So you can tell me to shut up if I'm asking stuff that like is not public, but how many locations are you launching? Like, what was the process for figuring this shit out? Like, obviously I'm, did you figure this out yourself with David? Did you hire people? Like, I want to understand if I wanted to launch, maybe somebody's listening to this and they don't just want to launch like another software business. Maybe someone's like, oh, I really wanted to do that. What are the steps to launch a brick and mortar restaurant location? So, um, number one, find a partner that's done it before. And when I say partner, <laughs> I mean someone, someone that sits on your board or is just an advisor. So it's not necessarily someone that does the day to day or does your job for you, but someone that you can reach out to with a single text or, or call and say, Hey, what do I do in this situation? Hey, can you help me with this? That is extremely important. I highly do not recommend you going into any any business or any entity or any business, excuse me, or or any uh, journey without yeah. um, without someone that has done it before. So that's number one. Um, we are launching with one location, um, and I want to. I have I have a number in my head. It's I've said it before, but I want to have one thousand locations of Dobrik's Pizza. I think uh, there's not a specific reason as to why. I just think the number sounds good, um, and I think it's, uh, it's not. It's not. It's not a bad number, man. It's good. Yeah, not a bad number. And I think at that point, I, I would feel that we've achieved uh, a nice level of success if we were to have a thousand locations. Obviously, that's you know down the line, but that's that's yeah. my goal. And uh, I will achieve that goal. It's just a matter of, of how long it takes me. Can you can you go into as specific as you feel comfortable, like the the financials about setting up a restaurant? Like how much does it cost to get one of these open? What's like the payback period? Um, all, all the all like the nitty gritty yeah. because that's very interesting to me. Cause I'm sure the costs are insane. So it depends on where you have your location. Our location is a, in a very marquee spot, meaning it's kind of center center of everything the closer you get to the center of everything the more expensive it's going to be now it's in that case it's kind of more money spent the more money you get back yeah. because you get more people more traffic more eyes etc um if you're opening a restaurant in a you know kind of more of a low-key area i would i would anticipate you to spend anywhere between Two hundred fifty to five hundred thousand dollars. If you are in a more marquee location, anywhere between five hundred to a million, and that depend also depends on the square footage. So if you're over a thousand square feet, I would probably multiply that number by about one and a half. If you're over two thousand, I would probably double that number. And then, um, is that just the the cost to get, or is that including like the lease and everything like that? So that is construction, architectural fees, okay. design, recipe formulation. That's everything, but that does not include the lease. Typically on a lease, on a restaurant lease, you either get TI money, which is tenant improvement money, or you get a certain amount of months for free to be able to do the build out. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. And then uh, what are you forecasting for your, like how long will it take you to make your initial investment back? Are you expecting one year, five years, six months? What does it look like? So we're anticipating between six to eight months to make our investment back. Um, That's not bad. 
yeah it's not bad. bad and i mean the thing is again it's just it's there's so many different variables that go into this how much money you're spending on marketing what you start with who's backing you what your what location you're at what do you have on your menu there's so so many different things um that go into into that question but yeah ours is is roughly six to eight months and then you just copy you copy and paste that strategy again and again um when you when you started this you said you had the board or you said you you found somebody or you wanted somebody on your board that has sort of done this before or you would suggest that somebody would find that person if they were going to go into this and start something new start a restaurant or any startup in particular when you do this do you go and raise money or do you just bootstrap it yourself so this was self-funded this uh first concept was self-funded and the reason we did that is because we want to prove to people what we can offer so if yeah. I were to come to an investor right now and say, "Hey, I want five hundred thousand dollars," obviously, uh, we're not we're nobody. We're not worth anything. But when our business is generating, for example, five million dollars, now we have again leverage, and it's not going to be the yeah. same the same deal. So I want to I want to do a couple locations first, and then and then raise money and then franchise. That's that's kind of the 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 plan. You know what? Um... I respect I respect how you look at entrepreneurship because like you're you're very you're very grounded like you you said this a few times where you like show the results before you try and scale which is the way that you should do it but I mean I know a handful of people that would just go and raise money before the first location even goes up because they don't want to put their own money into it so yeah. it's, it's a respect. Yeah, it's an interesting. I don't know. It's just interesting because you even mentioned that with I don't want to go into I don't want to go into, you know, retail until we prove out sales. I don't want to raise money from an investor until we actually show sales. So it's just an interesting. It's your personality. That's it. <laughs> our, um, our slogan for Zila is show, don't tell. So you're, you're exactly right. Oh, that's good. Um, OK. All right. Uh, I want to go into like some rapid fire to pull out like some insights from your life and your career. Um, is there anything else that we didn't go into that you want to chat about? Um, anything to do with, uh, I think we went through most of the projects you're working on, some advice from from your lessons building out those projects, but anything else that you wanted to, to leave with? No, I think, I don't, I think we got it. Uh, we touched on, on everything. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, so if you wanted to, if you wanted to give uh, advice to your 20 year old self, what would you, what would you tell them? Oh man, I'd give a lot of advice to my, <laughs> to my 20 year old self. <laughs> oh man, let me think about this one. Um, Build better systems. I would say Why is that? build better. Build yeah. Okay, so I'll explain. I think that if in my very early twenties, I somehow found out what I know now, um, I would have been in a very very different situation and position. So there's a there's a book that I read and it basically. I've read it a while ago, but it, t it talks about building million dollar systems. 
and uh, making everything autonomous. Now there's different ways to do it. Um, but the basis of it is building procedures that basically say, if this person leaves or if I leave, it can be taken over by somebody else automatically, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas in my early 20s, most of what happened was if someone left uh, and or I wasn't able to do something, we were shit out of luck. So I think that's so, so crucial is having your team and having you be very, very easily replaceable. And also you not having to worry about is this certain task got to get done if I'm not there? I think that's so, so, so crucial. And it it saves a ton of time and makes your business and your life much more efficient. And, and I honestly, honestly, I wish I knew that before, you know, I turned 24 or 25. Um, did you build systems with people or with processes or with automations? Um, what was your biggest lever that you pulled for that? I built systems with people and with processes. Uh, I'm still actually working on perfecting that. I, I haven't, I haven't done uh, what I need to do just yet. But I'm, you know, I think it's it's a it's a constant thing that you have to work on. You have to understand where your weak points are, what's taking up most of your time, what's annoying to you that can be automated. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I think until I'm maybe 40, I'll, I'll probably be working on even maybe for the rest of my life. You know, I think, I think it's, something Dude, I think it's, I think it's whenever you, I think it's whenever you start something like, I mean, like you're a serial entrepreneur, you're going to be building shit for the rest of your life. It's just your personality. I feel like even if you have a thousand pizza plates, I mean, you can retire whenever you want, but I don't feel like you're the personality that's going to be okay. Just sitting at home. I know a lot of entrepreneurs that have an exit event. They really don't ever have to work again. And they're like, itching to start something new in like six yeah. months after they just got the wire from, you know what I mean? Like that, yeah. it, I think that it's a, it's a forever thing, but when you can do it again and again and again, when you understand like, Hey, listen, I'm starting the thing from the ground up. I have to figure out these processes, these people, you start that implementation from day one so that it isn't hell in like a year from now. Like you automatically, the way you go into starting something new is even this, restaurant right even this pizza place even even uh dobrik's pizza when you start this you're thinking okay like if i'm going to franchise this out like everything that i'm learning right now i have to find somebody or a team of people that will eventually be able to copy and paste this this exact process again and again and again yeah. so that's you're already thinking you're already thinking how do i build a process for this so that i can you know copy paste it um that's a good lesson no one's ever brought that up that's a really, really good lesson. That's a very, very smart lesson. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what keeps you up at night now? It stresses you out. Oh, um, you know, I'll be honest. Uh, what keeps me up at night is where I'm not where I wanted to be when I was 20. So, I'm very far from You're right. not where, where you want it to be? No, I'm not where okay. I want it to be. I want it to be uh, at a point where my family and my friends are kind of taken care of. And by that, I mean, I, I wanted my mom and my dad at this point to not be working a single day in their life anymore. Mm -hmm. They've really, really taken care of me. 
and I wanted to repay that favor at an earlier age. But unfortunately, I was not able to do that. Uh, and that's my own error, my own fault. And I'm, you know, working, working at that every single day. But I, I think that's the one thing that really just I think about all the time where I'm like, fuck, I really, really, I have to, my, my parents, my, my family, my, my close ones that, you know, truly love me, I have to take care of them as soon as possible. And that's kind of what I, that's kind of what I work for. That's kind of what I live for. Dude, like dude that way. was the answer to the first question. That was the motivation question, dude. That was it. That's yeah. like, that's all, like, yeah, pizza makes people happy, but like, fuck that. Like, take care of your family. Like, that's like really what's going to drive you, right? <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I mean, that's what it is. And yeah, essentially, I should have, I should have answered it like that. But yeah, it's, um, it's, it's taking care of my loved ones, you know, I, that's, that's what I live for. That's what I work for. I love that, man. And that'll, that'll carry through, like. I think uh, what I was trying to allude to before is like, yeah, you can you can have a lot of passion for something, but man, like, passion dies after a while. Like, passion, passion, passion dies when things are hard, and then like, passion seems to, and motivation seems to come back when you're making a shit ton of money. Like, if you make a shit ton of money or something, you'll be motivated, you'll be passionate for it. But it's like that period in between starting it and not making money, where it's like, all right, I don't know how fucking motivated I am to like work 14 hour days and still like worry about rent. Like that's the, that's the thing where I'm doing this, provide for my family is really going to like push you through. I mean, like you're not at that stage now, but I'm talking about somebody that is like very early, just starting on, doesn't have extra money coming in from other things. That's what you actually have to sort of tap into. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Um, what else, what else I got for you? Uh, who's uh who's a mentor or somebody that's taught you something in your life and what did they teach you um i mean i i don't think i have a i don't think i have one specific mentor where i really look towards i think throughout my life there have been different people that have inspired me and motivated me one of which was timothy sykes and Timothy mm -hmm. Sykes, I don't know if you know him, he's a, uh, he's a do, penny yeah. trader. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, his, uh, his attitude to me is just so interesting. And I really, I really respect people that say, I don't give a fuck what you think. You know what I mean? In, <laughs> in, the, most respect, in the most respectful way possible. It's like, you know, I don't think I would ever, I would ever say that. But I really respect people that do. Um, and I, I don't know. I just think there's there's something about it. But anyways, I know Timothy's like just. The it's like the radical candor. Me. It's like the pure. It's like the pure honesty. Like whatever, yes. whatever the fuck is on your mind. Like it's love for you, but it's just like, like very candid, ruthless love. Like that's really what it totally. is. Yeah, and I think that's that's what he taught me. Right? Is I mean, obviously he taught me how to penny trade, but his attitude <laughs> and the way he went about things, uh, which is very different. I really love that. Very cool. Um, what was the biggest challenge you overcame in your life? Um, biggest challenge I overcame in my life. There have been a lot of them for sure. Um, I don't know if this is the biggest challenge, but this is, it's interesting. This is probably my biggest motivator. I don't know if maybe this 
will help answer the question. But uh, when when I had started the plumbing business with my dad, the challenge obviously was to obtain sales to get money and to grow. And at the time, my girlfriend broke up with me. And um, I was pretty fucking distraught and, and heartbroken. So I used that energy. I'm sure you see it on like TikTok all the time where it's like, you know, girlfriends break up with their boyfriends and then their boyfriends are at the gym going hard and like using that <laughs> that energy um, on their lift. That was kind of me um, with my plumbing business. My big, my biggest motivator at the time, and like I guess it was the biggest challenge for me to overcome, was the fact that my girlfriend had not dumped me. We had no money, and I had this fucking whole business I had to bring up. But I used that as my biggest motivator. I put my head down and I pushed through it. You know, so that's yeah, that's <laughs> that's not easy. Um, uh, okay, last question. Uh, last question. What does success mean to you? Success to me means achieving what your your ultimate goal is, um, and I know that's very vague. But you know, my goal is very different from what your goal is. And if your goal is to do one restaurant or two restaurants, and you've successfully achieved that, and you think that you did the best that you could, then that's success, right? My success is a thousand restaurants. Why? Because I just think a thousand is what my goal is. I, that's that's my challenge. So I think that once you get past the challenge that you've put towards yourself, I think that's what success is. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it, each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary.
I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeletemecom slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay, and what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch U.S.-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text success, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. Thank you so much indeed for sponsoring Success Story. For all business leaders out there, Indeed is a lifesaver. See, we're always driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, 
the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You're going to ditch the busy work and you're going to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 